Welcome to Food Forward, Nourishing the World, with your host, Alan Weiner. Over the next hour, you'll explore the innovative and ever-evolving solutions in everyone's favorite topic, food. Now, here's your host, Alan. Welcome to Food Forward, Nourishing the World, where we explore innovative ideas shaping our food future. I'm your host, Alan Weiner. Today, we have a really interesting show as we delve into two sides of the same coin. First up, we have Lori Amos, an ad executive behind Eat Differently, a campaign championing veganism. If you've seen the movie Wonka, then you know a lot about Eat Differently. Then we'll hear from Corwin Heatwell, founder of Farmer Focus, a company dedicated to distributing organic poultry from family farms. Join us as we uncover diverse perspectives on sustainable eating. Stay tuned. Welcome to Food Forward, Nourishing the World. I'm your host, Alan Weiner. Our first guest today is a special one. Her name is Lori Amos, and she is founder and president of a marketing firm, Scout 22, but better known to the public as the strategist behind Eat Differently. And without me having to kind of give an explanation of what Eat Differently does as a vegan myself, why don't you explain to us how Eat Differently was formed and what its purpose is? Sure, sure. Thank you for having me, Alan, by the way, and Happy New Year. Um, so Eat Differently is a, a public service um, organization, and it was formed last year at the beginning. Yeah, I guess it is last year. Today's the second. Um, it was formed last year to um, to provide the public with a um a resource on how they can uh, eat differently, essentially, um, to to you know better themselves, the planet, and and um, and all of its inhabitants, um, just make a better world. And um, our mission is is really simple. Uh, we want people to eat plants, not animals, and um, you know we do this in a very non-threatening, non-judgmental way. Um, yeah, so so that's our mission. We want people to eat plants. So I'm sure you didn't wake up one day and say, you know, I want to do this eat differently um, public service. What kind of led up to this? So I, I've been a, a vegetarian my, my whole life almost. I mean, it was early teenage years, I became vegetarian and then uh, subsequently a vegan. And I've been a vegan for a long time. I also have been, um, uh, I've worked at, at many large ad agencies for Fortune 500 brands. And um, I noticed that there was a lack of experience when, when it came to um, applying you know, sophisticated marketing and 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 uh, messaging strategies for advertising strategies for um, for the vegan space, for you know, plant based foods, for um, you know, anti dairy and and you know anything promoting animal welfare. There just seemed to be a lack of, um, like I said, sophisticated marketing strategies and and um, so I wanted to use 
my decades of of experience and and um really just just take a stab at 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 doing what i thought was was the like a more sophisticated approach um and we uh i think we we're able to achieve that and i and, and now that 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 the um and i do want to preface this that that you know there are a lot of um uh, seasoned executives now jumping into the space, but they're you know leading up to this years ago. There there just wasn't a lot of experience, and you could tell in their efforts they um, using a lot of like uh, shock value and kind of you know just uh, stunts versus you know really tugging at the hearts and minds and changing hearts and minds. Well, you haven't been exactly subtle about this. You've done you know, a number of, of large campaigns. You had billboards in San Diego. You yeah. have a commercial in front of the new Wonka movie. And then you had a, a drone show at yeah. the United Nations. So um, that means you have a lot of support. And I would imagine support with people who have money. Are they individuals? Are they companies? How did all that come to be? Yeah. So, um, so, 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 yes, we we we're going big, right? We we um, absolutely we're doing things that we're not we're not grassroots strictly, um, but our messaging isn't one that is judgmental. We are, we don't rely on you know shock tactics to um, to deliver the message. We're, we're um, I don't know. We're, we're, we want to appeal to. Um, to all ages, socioeconomic backgrounds, and um, we want to inspire, right? That's that. That's what I felt was lacking. Um, so we're doing so inspirationally, and um, uh, we do have um, a, a nonprofit that is backing us, as well as some uh, personal um, uh, personal backing from from some of you know some top um philanthropists um anonymous donors that you know we can't really disclose so i know that when my wife and i became vegan about 11 years ago it was a totally different world i mean finding commercial you know non-dairy cheese and non-dairy milk and mm -hmm. of course plant-based burgers and all that did not exist and in some cases in larger cities it's significantly better, but it's not still great. So what kind of resources either do you have or are you planning to assist somebody who says, I, okay, I get the message. I'd like to be, you know, plant-based. How do I go about it? Where can I find the food? Um, how do I get nutrition and all of that? Right. Yeah, we do. Um, we do have resources on our site and we can certainly direct people to other sites that have more like tangible, like if you you're interested in um, finding, you know, what coffee shops serve plant based milks and all of that. Um, what I think is important, it's 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 you know what came first the chicken or the egg uh in terms of demand so i think people need to demand um and i you're right i mean i i live in los angeles um my partner and i spend our time in la new york and london which are you know hubs of 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 vegan food we have it at tons of restaurants we have tons of options but those that don't live in in our um, community or in our in you know one of the major um markets uh 
might not have that opportunity. So um, what we're trying to do is create demand from a consumer standpoint. And with demand will come the opportunity, right? The, the, um, so so that's what, what our end game is, is to have people think, hey, I'm going to try this. This is this inspires me to try this. Um, and, you know, we're we're trying to um, not to go off on another tangent, but we have as as marketers, as vegans, we have a lot of barriers. Um, we have barriers, the cultural barriers. We have perceived taste. Where there's the big meat and dairy are throwing money and unbelievable amounts, you know, billions of dollars at trying to keep the mis misinformation. Um, you know, uh, misinformation uh, being spread to the to the public, um, things about you know it's Franken food and uh, you know vegan food is is it lacks in nutritional value when it's all the opposite, right? Um, it's super expensive to eat vegan. Um, it can be, but you know there's ways of of getting around that. It's super expensive. It's not as expensive than than paying higher, you know, premiums or having bad health. Um, so we're trying to address those. And, you know, with with advertising, it's repetitive. You have to say you can't just do a campaign and step away and and hope people that that message resonates. It has to be consistent and consistently say the same thing over and this is what big meat and dairy do consistently where do you protein protein right we will as as humans we're eating too much protein there's not you go to um hospitals uh, you know the emergency wing in hospitals is is not being filled by people who lack protein it's it's the opposite they actually lack uh fiber and they lack you know the other things but certainly not protein they are actually their hearts are are, are and arteries are getting clogged and they're having heart attacks that's right. that's the truth yeah. uh, so so yes re repetitive uh you know it takes it, it takes several times of, of people viewing this hearing it absorbing it um for it to stick and yeah so you talk about messaging and i find that that interesting in this case um the messaging that you have put out is very much tops down where you have really well-known people um mm -hmm. like natalie portman and then you have you know the ad that you placed in front of wonka H how did you choose wonka by the way <laughs> that was a um uh, okay so the wonka the, the, i grew up in the the original wonka generation where uh you know it was it's the best movie in the whole world to me <laughs> and it's so inspirational um and gene wilder you can't go wrong but uh um you know the the a lot of the um the messaging in wonka kind of harkens back to an um an old poem um and you know for dreamers and doers and and um uh we want, and it's very inspiring. It's basically people who think they can change the world, who who are artists, um, really can. And I saw a lot of parallels between um, Wonka and veganism. And I think that um, using art to change the world is is 
is just a no-brainer. In fact, I think that's one of the few things that can change the world, right? You touch people on an emotional level. And um, so, you know, look, we wanted to use the Wonka, the Pure Imagination song. We, we, we got shot down from, you know, Warner Brothers because the movie is out and that's not something you can easily license. But um, we came up with something that I think the commercial inspires. It... it um, you feel like at, at a certain point within the commercial that it, when things turn to color, there's a hopefulness, right? And then you're reminded that that these inspirational people, which which goes back to the original um, "Think Differently, Eat Differently" campaign that that was done in earlier in the last year, is that we're looking at artists who really do put their money where their mouth is and they really are there for the compassion as well as you know their artistry and sharing it with the world so we saw a lot of parallels we wanted to uh, get in front of we wanted something that would be um shown to millions of people uh, my partner uh, comes from the movie industry and he knew exactly how many well, not exactly. He knew that this film was going to do really well. He knew the theaters to um, to advertise in. And um, yeah, so we got in front of millions of people who weren't expecting this. And our message was, um, and the commercial was really well received. Um, the film is grossed, I think, 270 million worldwide, 110 million in the U.S. So it's it, again, it's a success. Um, and we weren't finger wagging. It, it felt appropriate. And um, and then we also did trivia. And that's the other thing that we did is uh, we had trivia questions play before um, the movie. So I'm curious, you you come from the world of marketing and I come from the world of data research. And when you make a point or you uh, launch a campaign for a client, you have to be able to prove to them with some sort of facts that it worked. Sales went up, uh, more visitors to a website, et cetera. What is your measurement of how will you know if you were successful? Um, Will there be some sort of tangible response um, or it's just getting the word out? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's actually the the, the old um, uh, direct response versus just awareness, right? This is an awareness campaign. But but that being said, I have, you know, I started my advertising career in direct response. Um, uh, even before there was the Internet, we did a lot of direct mail and, and um, uh, um, you know, promotions with like, where you had codes and um, loyalty programs as well. So we are measuring, um, we we have statistics on how many, um, pardon my <laughs> French, but how many butts were in the seat when they saw, uh, you know, when our, when our commercial aired. Um, we were in a prime location, so we know 90% of the people were, that bought tickets were in their seats um, because a lot of people skip the, you know, the, the first 15 minutes of of, of the uh, uh, of the movie where, the, where they play like commercials and, right. and and what have you. So we we know those statistics. We know how many people, um, how many eyeballs were um, on our spot in the commercial. We know how many people were watching the uh, trivia questions. We know how many people went to our website, and we know how many people interacted with our video. 
So yeah, um, that, uh, that, yeah. that that tells the tale. So mm -hmm. um, without tipping your hand, what's coming next in terms of awareness? Yeah. So uh, you know, we did the we, we did the drone show right before the Wonka um, show because we wanted to make a point that was at the UN and we wanted something really powerful and again inspirational. We're going along the same using what's in the zeitgeist. Um, to form a media plan. We aren't just shoehorning in something just for the sake of, of doing that. We want to make sure that there is, um, we already have something in the zeitgeist that we're attacking on to. So we are doing a, um, you know, dairy is, is insidious. It's a, a lot of people who um, um, omnivores don't really understand the impact of dairy and how it could be even more cruel and even more damaging to to the planet um, than than the uh, slaughterhouses and in, in meat industry. So um, we're going to be creating a um, a Mother's Day leading up to Mother's Day campaign, our Mother's Day as we're calling it, <laughs> um, and. We're also going to reach out to um, a new push to uh, a younger audience, um, appealing to a younger audience uh, through our um, anti-dairy efforts. So that's mm -hmm. that's probably as much as I can say, um, but we are planning that um, March March launch of, of the new campaign. So, so two quick things before we wrap up. Um, where can people go to find information about Eat Differently? They can go to eatdifferently.com. And uh, uh, if people are active on social, um, are uh, at Eat Like an Icon is our handle. Cool. So uh, last question. I noticed from your bio on your website that you are a Kinks fan. And I think you're a little young, but what's your favorite Kinks song? Ah, uh, Waterloo Sunset um, and Victoria, followed by Victoria. Um, but yes, yes, I'm a big, I, I love British music. I love the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and all that. But I, I would say Kinks because I feel like they're um, a little, um, I don't know, a little lesser known, but also right. not, they, they should have gotten more recognition, you know, wildly yeah. uh, influential as well to, to other pop bands that came after. Terrific. So our guest has been Lori Amos, who is president and founder of Scout 22, but also the brains behind Eat Differently. And as a vegan myself, I, I believe that you should go look at it, take it seriously, and go to the website to find more information. We'll be back after this message. Mark Tower's journey from his humble beginnings in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, to finding himself while in prison may sound familiar to some other famous figures, but his story is uniquely his own. Alan Weiner's new book, Watch Tower, chronicles Tower's wayward early days doing construction work of questionable legality to finding purpose in helping children in Peru, and finally discovering his calling as a watchmaker while in prison. It's a story of redemption that teaches the value of time and faith in oneself. You can get your copy of Watchtower today and dive into this inspirational tale. The book is available on Amazon.com, 
barnesandnoble.com, and your favorite bookstore. Watchtower, from the author who brought you the Max Rosen Mystery Series. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Food Forward with Alan Weiner. Have a question for Alan or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791. Now, back to the show. Welcome to Food Forward, Nourishing the World. I'm your host, Alan Weiner. We have a very special guest joining us today, Corwin Heatwool. Corwin is founder and CEO of Farmer Focus, which is a company focused on, well, ensuring that you have healthy, great chicken on your table. But I'll let him tell you more about it. Corwin, thanks for joining us today. Tell us about Farmer Focus. Yeah, Alan, thanks for having me as well. Excited to be here. So I'll give you a little bit of the backstory on why I started Farmer Focus so you understand. And as a sixth generational uh, family farmer myself, with my daughter as a primary caretaker of our farm, um, you know, we grew up with uh, farming it in the roots. We loved it, and that's what we did. And I purchased my first farm when I was 23 years old, but it had challenges with financial viability and sustainability producing for the large integrated companies. And the reason that those inside of those companies, there's challenges in farmers and animals uh, have sometimes a less than ideal environment is because over the last, you know, multiple decades, it's been all about growing the most, the most chickens and the least space at the least cost. And over time, things get squeezed and the profitability of the farm gets squeezed as well. So um, our mission was to create sustainable and financially viable farming. And that's why I started Farmer Focus. So just to rewind a little bit, if ever there was a company whose logo tells the story, your logo of a young person holding the hand of father, grandfather, I read that your interest started when you were three years old. Is that correct? Yeah, we grew up uh, in the middle of it. I there's a picture where I'm three year old, three years old, and I'm barefoot uh, walking out with the turkeys, feeding them by hand. So yes, got it honest. <laughs> I'll bet. So let's talk a little bit about this kind of network of local farms that you have. Um, walk me through the mechanics of how a a farm joins Farmer Focus. Uh, and how it operates after they've joined. Yes, when a farmer is interested in joining our network, they obviously reach out and one of us goes and visits the farm to uh, understand how that farmer would uh, partner with us, how they would qualify. And we discuss all of the um, the operating parameters that we require because, you know, as an organic, poultry company, we're 100% organic, you have to meet all of the organic certifications. Um, and we have two humane certifications as well. 
uh, certified humane and, and global animal partnership level three. So we want to make sure all the, the farmers completely understand those and then that they're not just uh, wanting to partner with us because it uh, you can you can make a little more money or something, but it's because they have a conviction about growing animals this way. So I noticed in one of the videos, there was an interview with a farmer who started off by talking about how he worked 80 hour weeks and how his wife had to raise their two children. After joining Farmer Focus, his life changed and they were able to earn enough money where he was able to work, well, less than 80 hours walk his kids to the bus and then be there for when they get home. So walk me through the business model of, of how that happens. Yeah, you asked a number of questions there, so I'll try to. Okay. Uh, so in, in a typical farming scenario, the farm is not financially viable enough that it doesn't require all farm income. So a lot of farmers have to work a job outside the farm. But it was a conviction of ours that a farm should be financially viable enough that the farmer can invest his time in the farm, raise a better bird, get paid more for it, and not have to work that job off the farm, which is a massive impact to a farmer's quality of life. They don't have to work two full-time jobs, farm and off-farm. Uh, they have time to be around their family. Their children can, just like I did, can follow dad around the farm and help them. So... What is the supply chain like? So I, as a farmer, do I still sell directly to um, wholesalers and retailers, or is that done um, by one central group? That's, that is what we do. Um, that's what Farmer Focus provides for the farmers. So we, we built a model that helps uh, bring solutions to the farmer's challenges. And it was, how am I going to be successful growing organic birds? So we we established best practices and people that go out to the farms and every week and answer the farmers questions and help make sure they're successful. Then they wonder, who am I going to sell these birds to once they're grown? And that's our commitment to the farmer. We commit to always purchasing your offtakes and, and every uh, animal that you grow so that you don't have to worry about who's going to purchase that so you can make investments in confidence and that's that's how we help um, the farmers establish the financial resources they need because we can make a multi-year commitment to a farm to purchase all of these chickens so that they can go to the bank and secure the financing they need right so it's upon you to find retailers and wholesalers that are interested in the product. So the marketing and distribution is on you. Now, I would imagine that one of the selling points is the fact that these are humanely raised organic chickens. Um, how does that go over with, let, let's put aside the whole foods of the world or sprouts. How does it go over with a Kroger's or a Harris Teeter? How, what's their response? Well, uh, excitingly enough, we do business with both Kroger and Harris Cedar as well. And uh, it, it goes over uh, very well because it really comes down to what the consumer is looking for. And a consumer, especially the organic consumer, has an appetite for a company that is more transparent. And that's why we have the Meet Your Farmer feature on every single package of chicken so that you can take 
the package, look at the Meet Your Farmer code, put that in the website, and and you will be taken to a landing page where it tells about the farmer and their story, the exact farmer that worked hard. And what's different about us, we feature 100% of our farms, not just a pretty farm or two as, as a feature advertisement. We give all of our consumers 100% transparency to all of our farms because we're proud of what we do. And that then consumers get excited about the brand and it's helping pull our brand into other retail outlets. So do you ask um, the retailers to do something special with a display of your chicken? I mean, do you want your product next to something that is not raised like yours? How, how do you separate once it gets into the store, aside from, you know, the idea where somebody can can find out more about the particular farm that it came from? Yeah, product placement in the store is definitely important, and it's important to uh, alleviate the risk of confusion to the consumers because, as you know, how, how many different kinds of eggs and brands of eggs and, and claims that you see and that's one area we're working to bring clarity to what claims mean so the consumer can can shop with confidence, um, knowing what they're getting. And that's why our package looks a little different. We want it to stand out and we want to call out these key attributes. Have you done any specific campaigns that go beyond you know the placement in the store to uh, inform consumers about farmer focus so that when they go in the store, it's the brand that they look for. Yeah, we have done we have done several marketing campaigns, and the one that I think was the most impactful is one we called making uh, making organic mean more. It was about how we go above and beyond just organic. How how our farmers really care about the birds themselves and are really invested in taking it above and beyond it, with our animal welfare certifications mm -hmm. and those areas. So I would imagine that there's an issue of scalability. So right now you work with farmers in Virginia and West Virginia. So that ensures that you have a certain amount of resources to be able to handle all of what goes into working with a number of farmers. Have you figured out in your business model, okay, if we added X number of farms, we would have to increase the number of people we have doing this or that. Um, is that kind of a scale that you have in place? Well, kind of. <laughs> it's, a, it's something that we're always working on because you're right, you can't just bring on more farms without increasing your production capability and then having the customers uh, lined up to um, when all that product comes on board. So it it is um, the, the entire supply chain to, to put chicken on a table is a lot more con complex than the average person really understands. And we're going through an expansion uh, currently that will allow us to increase our production capacity by about 30, 35%. So, and we do have customers lined up for that. Now we're signing on the farms and the chickens will be coming soon. So um, we have a really talented team helping manage that process. Now, it seems to me that there would be uh, a way if you wanted to kind of work in conjunction with other companies in other parts of the country um, that are chicken producing, 
to kind of you know expand the brand as long as you can kind of keep all of the the mission in place kind of a federation i don't know what else you would call it um have you looked at that to go beyond virginia and west virginia yes we've looked at it it's complicated to form a partnership because um, all partnerships in our mind need to be extremely long term and to alleviate risk we feel that it is would probably be better to own our own processing capabilities because once you onboard the farmers and they make that big financial investment um you know you want to make really sure that um you're going to be able to meet all those long term and not leave any farmer in an awkward and uncomfortable position if, if something would happen to that arrangement. So, so far, uh, we've we felt the obligation to own our own processing capabilities, but we've used third parties for other resources like co-packing, right. uh, milling feed, hatching chips, and so forth. So, you know, one of the key issues that you bring to the table is organic and sustainable. Do you have any idea just off the top of your head what percentage of you know chicken that i would find in retail stores is organic versus you know create uh, processed in some other way organic chicken makes up about five to six percent of the marketplace which is a surprisingly low percentage um and i think as consumers are educated on the benefits, the health benefits, and the environmental impact, and the impact to the farmers, and every the, the whole supply chain with uh, organic versus others. Um, you see more and more uh, consumers moving over to be dedicated organic consumers. So, if you were making the pitch to a consumer to switch to um, organic, what would you know? What would you tell them as the number one health benefit? Well, there's a lot of benefits. Health benefits are one. And the number one benefit to the, the health impact is that these animals, it's a USDA organic is a guarantee that the animal never came in contact with any pesticide, herbicide, uh, antibiotic or anything in its entire life through the entire supply chain. So the biggest health benefit is if you want to if you go to the doctor and you need to take an antibiotic you need it to be effective but if you've got a light dose of antibiotic through your the meat that you consume on a weekly or consistent basis the chances of the antibiotic being as effective go down significantly right same with chemicals you know used in the process it's a guarantee that there is zero contamination coming through so as we kind of reach the end of our segment here can you tell our, our listening audience um, where they can find uh, farmer-focused chickens? I mean, how would they find them? And, you know, how would they use the mechanism to find out where the, the farm that it came from is? Yes, absolutely. So the best way to find uh, our product is to go onto our website, farmerfocus.com, and and go to the store locator. So you would enter your zip code and it would tell you what all stores have our chicken nearby you. And you, you could, and it will specify whether it's farmer focus organic or, or a private label, like in Costco it would be Kirkland Signature. The Kirkland Signature organic chicken would be our chicken. And it will tell you where you could find uh, both options. Um, and then also on the website, you can enter the, you, after you've purchased your 
package of chicken, you take the four letter uh, farm ID and enter that and visit your farmer. And, and there's a place to leave your farmer a note. And we pass all of those notes along to our farmers. And as they work really hard to grow these wonderful chickens, it's just special to be able to pass some some really neat notes along to them. What kind of traffic do you get? I mean, how many people take advantage of of looking up their farmer? It it was a little bit slower at first, but now uh, we get several hundred thousand farm visits a year. So the, it's a it's an impressive amount of people are looking up the farms that grow the chicken. Yeah, I would imagine as time goes on and there's greater awareness of the benefits of organic, that's going to happen. Last question. Now, you, you said that Costco sells uh, farmer-focused chicken uh, under their brand. Do you white label for anybody else? Yeah, we white label for several customers and Aldi and Costco are the two largest. And the reason we are, we have um, accepted private label or white label customers is because it really builds on our mission to promote and protect generational family farms. Those solid partnerships allow us to go out and partner with more farms and guarantee them a consistent offtake uh, from their farm and give them, you know, consistent revenue. So it really just fits into our mission is why we are comfortable doing it. Corwin, thank you so much for your time today. Our guest has been Corwin Heatwell, who is founder and CEO of Farmer Focus. Wish you the best in the future. We'll be back after this message. Mark Tower's journey from his humble beginnings in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, to finding himself while in prison may sound familiar to some other famous figures, but his story is uniquely his own. Alan Weiner's new book, Watch Tower, chronicles Tower's wayward early days doing construction work of questionable legality to finding purpose in helping children in Peru and finally discovering his calling as a watchmaker while in prison. It's a story of redemption that teaches the value of time and faith in oneself. You can get your copy of Watch Tower today and dive into this inspirational tale. The book is available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble.com, and your favorite bookstore. Watch Tower, from the author who brought you the Max Rosen Mystery Series. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Food Forward with Alan Weiner. Have a question for Alan or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Food Forward, Nourishing the World. I'm your host, Alan Weiner. I'd like to thank our guests, Lori Amos, the ad executive behind Eat Differently, a campaign championing, championing, there you go, veganism, and then Corwin Heatwell, founder of Farmer Focus, a company dedicated to distributing organic poultry from family farms. Our guest for our next segment is me. So I have seated to my left here uh, asking the questions is someone who I've shared a lifelong food journey with, my wife, Kathy, 
whose expertise in a number of areas, such as regenerative farming, um, complement mine. She's also a certified vegan chef, among other things. So with that, I will turn it over to Kathy for questions. Thank you. I'm happy to be here and be able to ask you questions for a change. So we'll start out with something easy. What would you say was the best meal you ate in the last year? That's something we do in our house. What's our best meal to date, whatever. But this time I'm saying, what was your best meal last year and why? Um, I would uh, have two finalists. One was a dinner for our 40th anniversary in Asheville at a place I believe called Plant or The Plant. Um, the food was fantastic. I think one of the things that made it so special was our company. Um, our daughter and son-in-law uh, hosted us and arranged for a special dessert. And the food was inventive, creative. It, it was just lovely. But I think the grand prize winner goes to a restaurant called Pharmacy, which is in Notting Hill in London, the UK. And probably the best vegan food I've ever had. And what I like about it, and I think a hallmark for both of our tastes for vegan food, is vegan food that doesn't try to copy um, traditional food. So you see so many burgers out there uh, giving people who you know miss having hamburgers uh, the ability to have a burger. The food at pharmacy was all creative, you know, nothing imitative. The surroundings were great. The, you know, the drinks were great. And even the um, books that you bought uh, were also great. So I would say pharmacy in, in Notting Hill. Well, to add to what your previous guests talked about, the farm that grows everything at the pharmacy is a biodynamic farm. It goes beyond organic and sustainability. Their philosophy or manifesto, as they call it, is use the entire environment from the soil to the animals to the sun to the water. And every vegetable and fruit in the pharmacy originates in this farm about 40 miles from London and is driven to the restaurant in an electric vehicle. So they go the whole way. And you're very nice for not mentioning the fact that I spilled the beverage all over the table, necessitating them to clean up and give us a new table. Thank you. And they replaced the beverage though. So that was really nice. Okay. So I, I guess as someone who's watched you do this show, when you prepare for the show, you look at farming, production, manufacturing, delivery, packaging, all aspects of the food world. What of these areas do you consider most ripe for innovation? I, I think things that relate to health, people's health. And I, I think it's a scalable issue. So you have people who you know, are, are living in relatively poor economic conditions that don't have the ability to buy high-end vegan ingredients because, you know, vegan cheese, vegan desserts, they're, they're more costly than traditional. But even on a budget, you can eat, you know, healthy. Even if you're not a vegan, you can select um, a meat that is organic, grass-fed. Um, you can find, you know, milk that has either um, or, uh, 
artificial casein in it, which um, does not come from an animal or, you know, plant-based milk. So I, I think that's one of the things I want people to come away with. So for example, today, um, when we learned a lot about um, uh, focus farm, family, I'm sorry, <laughs> focus farms um, and the organic chicken, if you want chicken, you should be looking for it. And especially if you're going to Costco. So um, th that's what I want people to get out of it. But the shows are driven by the guests. And, you know, at this stage of the game, I guess we're, what, 20 shows into it. I don't always have guests lined up out the door. So sometimes um, the shows are driven by guests. So today, for example, we have guests from two different kinds of worlds, um, which makes for a unique perspective. But the shows are, are very guest-driven. So you are saying that the area most ripe for innovation is things to improve people's health. Is that right? Yes. So as you think that, what companies do you have in mind? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I, I think, you know, the thing that comes to mind the most are companies that are in the second generation of plant-based products. This is something that, you know, I, I talk about a lot. And I actually talked about this on a podcast that I did with um, Michael Wolf, who is publisher of The Spoon. So the first generation of plant-based foods um, doesn't didn't always have a lot of, of you know healthy ingredients in it. Yeah, they were plant-based, but they also had a lot of additives. And just as a side note, um, and I'll talk about this in our last segment if I have time, there's a great article in the Washington Post today uh, or yesterday about the nine ingredients that you should look for in your food to avoid. So, food sorry, food labels, food labels, pardon me. So um, a company that always stands out to me um, is a company called Meaty, M-E-A-T-I, which really um, uses uh, parts of the mushroom for their steaks and cutlets. And, and they're phenomenal. And they, you know, they have a really good texture, a really good taste. So I think they're in this second generation of plant-based products that are focused on not only uh, plant-based ingredients, but but eliminating you know the things that would not necessarily be healthy. I came across a podcast yesterday from the director of innovation at Ben and Jerry's, and they're launching a whole new plant-based non-dairy related line that goes along with what you're saying. They've taken what they learned, manufactured something different, worked for three years to develop it, and it's coming out, it's actually rolling out this year. So I'm hoping that maybe in the future, um, they can be one of your guests so they can tell you about their new oat milk based product. Right. Um, another question I had was what, about the area of food waste. Um, the As we listen to your guests, it's expensive to grow. You need to have buyers to bring them to market. But food waste is really hard to accept when you've got people that are starving. So 
where are the innovations in managing food waste? Well, I think that leads to, to two things. Um, number one is upcycling. So that would be taking um, products that can be made from food waste, whether it's um, a bar or some sort of protein. I, I think that that is, is one thing to do. The other thing is I, I think there needs to be uh, a greater connection between companies that are employing technology or deploying technology, I think better word, uh, at supermarkets to ensure that products with close by sell dates um, get sold first. So, and I asked the company that was involved in this um, when they have products that are past their sell through date and people aren't going to buy them, do they have a network of you know, food shelters or ways to contact people? who are hungry, you know, to, to come and get it. And they don't. So I think that is certainly an area that um, you can, you know, uh, look to for, you know, the use of technology. Well, previously, when you were doing some writing for The Spoon, there were several companies that built trackers to go in berries and tomatoes as they left the farm to go to the stores there were also a company that was changing the labels in the stores. Uh, so I guess I just hope that we can continue to see more innovation in that. Um, another question for me um, is, how do you see packaging changing? Personally, as someone that likes to recycle, I like to have things that are recyclable. Well, I, I think it's a, a tops-down sort of approach. Um, right now, you know, the focus is on companies that come to market with the goal of being sustainable as part of their marketing message. And I think that a lot of them are focusing on packaging so they can use the fact, hey, we're using biodegradable packaging. We're using packaging that you can eat when you're done with. Um, but those are the relatively smaller companies, the startup companies, where we need to see it is in you know the, the larger companies, the, the consumer product goods companies. And I'm not just talking about food, I'm talking about products across the board um, for, for that kind of packaging. The other group, and I think I see this kind of creeping into the market, would be fast food companies. So McDonald's, Burger King, In-N-Out, Chick-fil-A, et cetera. And I'm trying to remember one that I saw the other day that is experimenting with biodegradable packaging. But my feeling is that they need to be ones that set the tone. Um, and I, I think it should be almost against the law for a company, for restaurants and takeout places to use styrofoam containers. I think they are biodegradable in some cases, but you know, I think that they take two, 300 years to, mm, <laughs> to kind of become part of the earth. I think they should be using you know, uh, biodegradable paper products. So my last question is, what, what particular food-related trend do you see? For example, last year, we saw so many different non-alcoholic herbal beverages spurring the cocktail movement. What do you see coming this year? A couple things. Um, you mentioned packaging. I certainly see that. Um, an area that is called, you know, functional beverages. 
And these are beverages that can either give you protein or um, they can give you uh, some sort of, you know, added um, nutrition. I think you're going to see a lot of those. Um, and if you want to need, know more, I suggest that you kind of go back online and, and look at the uh, last episode of 2023, where we actually talk about um, those, you know, trends for 2024. So I would like to... Uh, Thank my my special guest, the Grand Inquisitor, uh, Kathy Weiner, for asking me a series of questions. I guess um, next time maybe I'll ask her questions because we spend a lot of time talking about food around our house. We talk about farmers markets, and we, we spend way too much time <laughs> kind of reviewing the places that we ate in in the following year, in the previous year, pardon me, and the places that we want to go. Um, you know, moving forward. Uh, again, I'd like to thank my guests, Corwin Heatwell, founder of Farmer Focus, and Lori Amos, the ad executive behind Eat Differently. We will be back for our final segment after this message. Mark Tower's journey from his humble beginnings in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, to finding himself while in prison may sound familiar to some other famous figures, but his story is uniquely his own. Alan Weiner's new book, Watchtower, chronicles Tower's wayward early days doing construction work of questionable legality to finding purpose in helping children in Peru and finally discovering his calling as a watchmaker while in prison. It's a story of redemption that teaches the value of time and faith in oneself. You can get your copy of Watchtower today and dive into this inspirational tale. The book is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and your favorite bookstore. Watchtower, from the author who brought you the Max Rosen Mystery Series. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Food Forward with Alan Weiner. Have a question for Alan or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Food Forward, Nourishing the World. I'm your host, Alan Weiner. In the previous segment, um, in talking to my Grand Inquisitor, I mentioned an article in the Washington Post that talked about food labels and the things you should look for. And I'm going to go through them pretty quickly, but you can find them on the Washington Post uh, website. And those are labels that have more than three ingredients, uh, labels that have thickeners, stabilizers, or emulsifiers, ones that have added sugar and sweeteners, ingredients that end in O's, O-S-E, artificial or fake sugars, health claims. Hmm, that's a good one. Low sugar promises, uh, that's a red flag because often they replace uh, sugar with uh, artificial things. Instant and flavored variety, hmm. uh, that's a really tough claim. And is it something that you can make easier in your kitchen? So uh, go check it out at Washington Post or WAPO.com. You can get a free subscription um, and, and look at their stories related to food. So. As we wrap up another insightful episode of Food Forward, Nourishing the World, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. 
visit our website, www.foodforwardradio.com, and follow us on social media. That would be Facebook, TikTok, um, threads, uh, and anything else you can imagine as we continue to explore the world of sustainable food. If you are new to the show, you can revisit all of our previous episodes on the Voice America homepage or find us on your favorite podcast platform. In fact, you can go to Alexa and say, hey, Alexa, uh, play the pod, play, you know, Food Forward Nourishing the World. And while you're, you know, putzing around the kitchen, you can uh, listen to the show. So let's keep making good choices that nourish ourselves and our planet. Until next time, eat wisely and stay food forward. Goodbye and good eating. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Food Forward. We hope we've given you some insights into the wide world of food. Until we talk again, have a wonderful week. 